It's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. All righty, friends, welcome back to today's agriculture conversation on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. Lane Nordland, happy to be with you here today. This show is coming to you from Phillips County, Montana. And that's where the Hinman Angus Bull Sale will be taking place here later today. And friends, uh, those of you that have tuned into this podcast uh, for, for quite some time, uh, we, we've talked about drought uh, almost every single podcast that we do. And uh, we have probably about a 60 mile an hour uh, <laughs> wind coming from the west. And uh, it, it does have some uh, precipitation with it. And, uh, you know, that's always good to have on a bull sale day, a little precip, especially uh, we've had about four or five years of drought up in this part of the, the, the country. My, my family uh, runs cattle up in Phillips County as well, but uh, it's good to see that, that rain. And I guess I should introduce our guest today. Uh, joining us, our friend Troy Marshall. And Troy is a, a well-known figure and face and name in the cattle industry. Of course, he joins us uh, from the American Angus Association. He made his way up here to, uh, to talk with folks uh, here at the sale and at the pre-sale party just last night. But uh, Troy, thanks for bringing that moisture with uh, with you from Missouri. I'm glad to be here, and I promised Yvonne I'd bring it, and I <laughs> got lucky. <laughs> Well, uh, it, it was uh, quite the experience. Uh, we got out here. Uh, your, your counterpart at the Angus Association, uh, Mr. Kurt Kangas, told us that he had a, an industrial garbage can come out of the out of the borrow ditch and uh, run right into his pickup. Uh, he uh, so at least I didn't hit hit one of those. I did hit a few of those tumbleweeds that were going across the road here this morning, but. <laughs> But, you know, we're, we're here at the Hinman Angus Bull Sale, and, and uh, uh, people that uh, uh, know the Angus breed, uh, they know Hinman Angus is just one of those great, reliable families that produce great bulls for cattle producers. And Image Maker, Cowboy Up, those are some of those great names that the Hinman family has put into the production line for producers. But uh, what's it like for you to, to, to get out and about and just uh, uh, come and talk to these producers, whether they're from Montana or elsewhere, and know that they're going through a pretty tough time with drought? But uh, what's it been like uh, traveling here this, uh, this late winter and spring? Yeah, you know, as you get in the Northwest, as you said, it, uh, little Mother Nature's not cooperating here. The good news, there's still a lot of optimism just because the overall supply and demand dynamics look so good in the industry. And, um, Hopefully, if we can get some rain to kind of let everyone uh, enjoy the prosperity that we're looking forward to the next couple of years. Now, let's maybe talk a little bit about yourself. Like I said, I'm sure people uh, that, that have attended Angus events or Cattlemen's events or even, uh, heck, you and I both spoke at the High Plains Journal uh, uh, Cattle U event uh, uh, not too long ago last year. Uh, and you're always talking about that, that production outside of things and really trying to help producers maximize their profits. Uh, through genetics, but uh, what, what is your background? I, I know you grew up in Wyoming, but uh, what, uh, let's talk about that journey from uh, the Cowboy State uh, to the American Angus Association. Yeah, well, Lane, um, like a lot of people, I ha had dreams of getting rich and famous in the cattle business, <laughs> and so I uh, went to grad school at Colorado State, and after graduating there, I worked at Cattlefax, and um, we eventually saved up enough money um, and 
started ranching outside of Burlington, Colorado, uh, where we raised registered Angus cattle for about 25 or 30 years. Um, and then here about two years ago, we made the big decision to uh, disperse the cows um, and come to work for the American Angus Association and work with the Angus Link Program. Really passionate about the opportunity it did for us to, as seed stock producers, our main goal was to really help commercial cattlemen. Um, and this Angus Link Program was a way I felt like we could really do that at a little larger scale. Yep. And uh, obviously your, your family uh, coming along for the ride with you too, but still actively involved in the livestock industry as well. Yes. I'm uh, probably better known as Lorna's husband than anything <laughs> else in the industry. Uh, she's worked in the AI uh, side of the business um, for the last 30 years mm -hmm. or so. Well, again, uh, thanks for making your way up here to Montana's High Line. And uh, like I said, the, the, the wind may be blowing, but I think that's always good for a bull sale when there's precipitation with it because it creates maybe a little bit of uh, optimism yeah. <laughs> for, for attendees, especially when, when, when you come from up in this uh, drought-stricken country. But, you know, you mentioned Angus Link, and, you know, we... Those of us that, that, that buy Angus genetics and run black-hided cattle, we, we've heard about it. And it, it almost seems like sometimes, like especially during the pandemic, you know, we, we kind of just got stuck into our ruts. And, and I remember when I first heard about Angus Link, I was very curious. And then the world, <laughs> you, you just keep doing what you're doing. And, and so I'm actually very curious about the Angus Link program. But, what is it, and, and, and what, how does it help a commercial cattle producer make more money, I guess, Troy? That, that's the main question everyone's wondering. No, that's a, and it's a great question, Lane. I think sometimes it gets a little complicated, and as you said, we really only have one goal, and that's put more money in the pockets of ranchers. And what we're excited about is the system has never really quite worked in terms of having an objective, reliable way of describing the genetics in the cattle. And what we do with the Angus Link program is essentially calculate a set of EPDs for those feeder cattle uh, so that those buyers can know what those cattle really are going to do on the feed yard and on the rail. Um, and then we have a, a whole host of the USDA certification programs, the all-natural, the no-hormone uh, gap-type programs that uh, just gives those buyers more market access and more flexibility and has been able to put more premiums in the uh, bank account for the commercial cattlemen. Well, and so for a commercial cattlemen, even like myself, for listening, I, I guess the main question, how, how does a commercial cattleman uh, participate? Does their whole herd have to be, you know, from those uh, full Angus genetics? I mean, because a lot of people do run pretty much purebred herds. They're just not registered. Uh, can they have any other influence from other breeds? I guess, what what, what does that look like qualification-wise? Yeah, we do have an Angus verification program if you have 100% Angus bull battery, and we can actually certify that and give you some access to more programs there. But it is open to anyone. Um, the bulls do need to be registered so because we have to be able to look at those registration papers and the EPDs there too. So uh, we have our Powered by Agus program where we kind of always recommend to make sure you get those bulls registered and transferred to you. Uh, but we have everything from Sim Angus to, you know, Charlotte, et cetera, in those programs as well. So. So how does that work then? Obviously, you want those bulls to be, they have to be Angus, but when we're looking at uh, uh, tracing those lineages, what, a lot of people are just going to say, how much time is it going to take me? Yeah, and actually, it's a much simpler process than it sounds. We just need a list of your current bull battery, um, and we just need the registration numbers on those bulls. So if you've had them registered and transferred, hopefully you've got a file, and we'll just take that and go. Uh, ideally, we can get 
better numbers if we can have up to 10 years of that bull battery or mm -hmm. history there too. But, but that's all you really need is to have those bulls registration numbers. And uh, the cost, obviously, guys that have records or whatever, because there's different options, obviously. Right. Just, just like when you're watching the video, you have GAP, you have NHTC. What uh, what are those options that folks can participate in, and how does that change the the ease or maybe just the process of participating in Angus Link? Yeah. Our pricing structure is really pretty simple. If you just do the genetic merit scorecard, you have the cost of the ear tag or the ID, um, and the association actually provides that service for free. Um, as you start to go into the USDA programs that have to be audited and we go through that process, uh, that'll vary a little bit, but it's about $750 per herd. Uh, and then the audit cost or expense of that, which runs about another $300. So I like to roughly say it's about a thousand to $1,100 to participate in those programs. No, somebody might be hearing that word audit and it's tax season right, right. now. So I, I, I guess when, when you say audit, what, what does that look like when, when who, like, like up in our region, who's going to be doing that audit and, and, the, and how, how does that carry out? Yeah, great question. I hate the word audit myself. <laughs> uh, and it's really more of a herd visit. And what, as we go through the process and once you're enrolled, we really make sure that all the information's there, that you've got everything in order. And so it's more just somebody visiting, making sure that's the case. In our case, it's typically your regional manager. Kirk Kangas probably does as many audits in this part of the world as anyone. And uh, so it's actually a really simple process. Speaking of Kirk Kangas, uh, he's taking a scotch cap off. We're actually gonna invite him to come sit down. He's been, uh, he's been out there uh, looking at bulls right here at the Hinman Sale. Kurt, uh, can, can you hear us? I can hear you. All right. Well, welcome to the, the agriculture conversation here. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, so we were just talking about, we we're talking about Angus Lee, Kurt, to kind of bring you to up to speed here. And uh, we were talking about the, the word audit because that scares people. Like sure. I said, it's tax season. And, uh, and Troy was just saying that you'd be the guy that would actually come out into this region and do the audit. Uh, what, what does that look like? And, and what is it like for you, though? I mean, it's great to see these uh, these uh, cattle genetics, these producers that maybe you haven't got to meet before, but it's a great way to, to really help uh, bring that profitability to the top of the conversation. Sure, yeah. No, it's a great opportunity. You know, we sell these guys these bulls all, all spring and all fall long, so it's fun to go see the, the calf crop that those, those bulls that we're selling them generate. Um, and also get a chance to see some of the some of the absolutely some of the best feeder cattle in the United States that I, I think it's really it's really fun to see the the rewards that these producers have reaped from buying these bulls and the the uniformity and the consistency that these cattle have provided you know audits are it is it's a scary word and like you said it's tax season and none of us want to talk about <laughs> an audit right now um, lest you jinx, your, jinx yourself but uh, you know it's it's actually a pretty pretty simple process you know we're just verifying claims that people have made on their paperwork you know, age source, making sure their calving book looks right, that they're, you know, if they're in HTC never ever, that there aren't any hormones on the premises and that the utilization of antibiotics and hormones is within the specs. You know, we don't, we don't restrict use of repro drugs, but you know, anything else, we, we try to keep track of that and we, we track inventories and my job's just to make sure that what they said is correct. Mm -hmm. And I do want to thank Kurt. He, uh, he was going to be my knight in shining armor, but thank God a, a four wire, uh, barbed wire fence popped up. Uh, I got out of my pickup and I didn't uh, have my Greeley uh, Hatworks hat to cinch down tight enough and that uh, about 40, 50 mile an hour wind decided to guest up there and it, it, I, I just, I, I didn't even run after it because it was gone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was like watching, uh, watching a hundred, hundred uh, yard dash there and 
one little wire kept that hat from going all the way to uh, Fort Peck Lake. <laughs> well, Lane, I'll tell you, you know, I, we all watched Troy Anderson perform in the NFL Combine, and I don't think you got the foot speed no. to catch it. <laughs> no, no, I would have been about a 4.7 in that 4 dash. maybe reverse that, maybe <laughs> 7.4. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as a, and I do want to continue to talk about Angus Link, but, uh, Kurt, you've been traveling uh, all over Montana, Wyoming, and, and your uh, area that you represent with the Angus Association. And uh, we all know that we, we were discussing it, how this moisture, even though the wind is blowing it through here pretty fast right now, the moisture is a godsend, any type of moisture that we can get going here. But there, there's still a lot of optimism out there in the countryside of keeping genetics a top priority for producers because it is hard to send any amount of cattle down the road. Uh, what are those conversations you're having with uh, with the purebred breeders and with the commercial guys out there right now that are still buying bulls? Our averages have held up really good f- across all breeds and uh, just uh, also looking at different weather patterns in the U.S. where, where cattle herds have been retained. What, what are those conversations like right now? Well, it depends really on where you are locationally, but, you know, I, I think that it looks like we're supposed to turn into a wetter pattern here going into springtime, and so we're all going to hope that that's true. If, you know, if it's not people, you know, you, I, one guy, he said, you know, I can't make money if I don't, if I assume it's not going to rain, and so he goes, I got I to gotta keep moving as long as I can in the, in the right direction and making progress on my genetics. I think that the, one of the big ups in this market's been the slaughter bull prices is, have been just extraordinary, um, much, much higher. There's some guys that are trading in older, larger frame bulls that they've, that they've fed out a little bit not put a whole bunch of money on just a little bit anywhere from you know 23 to 2800 dollars per head which is a pretty good trade-up and it makes these bulls that their calf crops if you know they're makes them pretty cheap but when we look at that opportunity to to have more dollars per pound and that brings us back to that conversation about angus link and when you're having these conversations, both of you in the countryside, I, and I don't know, we didn't quite get into the cost of, you know, per head or what. The, you said the audit was about $750. Is that correct? Oh, well, the enrollment cost. The enrollment yeah, cost. Yes. So oh. let, let's just talk about that return that uh, return on investment that we've seen with producers that are already enrolled in the program and then how that will continue to shape as we get more producers in it as well. Yeah, I really excited to say over the last three years we've calculated the premiums of the cattle that went through the angus link program that's been about 12.4 million dollars it's gone back to angus link producers and it's been a little over 13 dollars per hundred weight and that's on all cattle whether they're in the all natural or the nhdc gap etc but when you look at that return on investment that's been almost a hundred dollars per head on average um and so the return on investment is about 10 to 1 or a little better than that right mm-hmm. now yeah, and, you know, I, when people enroll in the programs, people talk about premiums, and I, I like to think of it as the amount of bidders that bid on the cattle. And you know, really, we're just looking to add more competition to people that are when those bidder, when those buyers are buying the cattle. We want one other buyer in there that gives some, them an option they could run them with a the program or, or not. Kind of following up on Kurt's comment, having market access and market flexibility in today's market, especially where we've had limited shackle space and information. From a buyer standpoint, just having that flexibility puts a lot more value in those yep. cattle. So how, I guess, one, one area that a producer may be wondering is uh, how do you score? Is it a scorecard? How do you rate these cattle along the way? 
Yeah, on our scorecard, we have three scores, and one is for beef, feedlot, and grid. And as I said, we're essentially calculating an EPD for a pen of feeder cattle for those trades. And so what that does is 100 uh, is industry average, and it gives that buyer an opportunity to, in an objective, reliable way, uh, know how those cattle are going to do in the feed yard and on the rail. So I, I guess for a producer that's uh, tuning in right now, interested in Angus Link, I, where, where's the best place for them to start and, and uh, trying to find out or maybe uh, getting their, their program enrolled in, into this premium program? You know, it's pretty, the website's pretty accessible. Uh, you can either go to angus.org or go to Ang Angus Link and get on the webpage there or give me a call out in the field or give the office a call. You know, we still do a lot of, a lot of manual hand entering for paperwork, so we have a lot of different options for people to kind of figure out what they want to do. Yep. Well, I tell you what, it's kind of nice uh, for our audience. We are in the sale barn here at Hinman Angus. <laughs> the temperature went from about 60 degrees yesterday to uh, it was just, I think, 35 or 36 on, on my, my pickup coming out here. But, uh, no, I, I think it's going to be a good day. We got coffee. We're, we're actually sitting by the heater. Well, I think we're on the wrong side of the heater, but uh, I think we're probably picking that a little bit up on the microphones. And, uh, and the wind is, is shutting doors on its own around here. But uh, I, I, this is this is bad wind for this country. I can I can I can tell you that. Uh, no, there's no question about it. And I I came from Haver this morning, and it's all the way across the High Line. This wind is howling, howling fast. But Kurt said it's not raining uh, near Dotson, Montana, where our land's at. So. Uh, Kurt, you could have said rain here, you know. You're a pretty good weatherman, aren't you? Well, it's, I should have been a weatherman, actually, when I when I really looked at my career choices because it's the only job that you can have and be wrong consistently and still keep your job. See, <laughs> and that, I always talk about, you know, most of the time I'm the bearer of bad news when I'm talking about markets on, on radio and, and whatnot, especially when the cattle markets are down or those grain prices are taking a dip or whatever. And, and I'm like, at least I'm not a weatherman. That's exactly right. Because I'm just sharing that information. I don't have to predict it. That's, that's a good point. Uh, what are Cabs going to bring this year? <laughs> Speaking of that Excuse prediction. <laughs> but, you know, as we look at that, uh, guys, uh, obviously we're. it's so interesting to watch that drought from 2012 and in, in the reduction in the U.S. cattle herd uh, through 14 and 15, and then how fast cattle producers decided to keep all their females and, and how that uh, how the cattle herd really uh, plateaued and, and, and started to, to grow once again. But we had bird flu in 2014. We had bird flu again. Um, it's slowly making its way into our Western Ag Network radio coverage area. It's in North Dakota. It's in Wyoming. I guarantee it's in Montana. I, uh, let me rephrase that. I cannot report that it's in Montana, but we Careful. can assume <laughs> that uh, since it's a waterfowl, that bring it in. And taking you away from this podcast conversation for a breaking news bulletin as avian influenza was actually confirmed in the state of Montana just two days after this podcast conversation took place. Again, avian influenza was confirmed two days after this podcast recording during April 2022. Back to the podcast. That's going to have an impact. We're, we're also seeing that the hog inventory did not grow and it's not expected to grow. Um, so it's tough to talk about drought. It's tough to see. I, I think I saw 10 or 12 cattle pots just going between Stanford and Great Falls yesterday and they were loaded. I don't know where they were going. Maybe they were just going to summer, spring pasture. That's crossing my fingers. That was my hope. Um, 
the price is going to be there. It's going. I mean, the situation is price supported for the cattle industry, but it's unfortunate when it comes at the uh, the loss of uh, of herds across the region. But uh, when you're talking with producers that you know work uh, with these you know, selling their cattle on the video or, or getting into programs or being qualified for certified Angus beef and whatnot. That premium is going to be there this year, I, I believe. It, it could be it could be big as we see a contraction in this western herd, and it's not just Montana and Wyoming. It's it's all over the West. And you know, if you look at the guys down in California right now from Fresno North, they're in they're in real tough shape. And um, you know, there's just not going to be the amount of calves that have been uh, historically available, and which could make them really valuable and if you're running yearlings those things could be worth gold yeah yeah well and another thing is yeah it's it's startling to see the prices that consumers are paying for beef uh, we all agree because a lot of the time those consumers don't understand that uh, the cow calf guy really has no no say in what that price is when you're in a grocery store but uh latest studies that are out from usda show consumers are still buying beef because it's not uh, it, when we're in the business we like to focus on that inflated price but inflation across the board all consumer items are up so i think it's it shows the respect and the integrity of beef as you just said on the american plate and the confidence that consumers have too that they're not turning away from this protein i think that's very important it's one thing that excites me most about the next three to four years we're looking at historically high beef demand and the demand for high quality beef has grown even at a faster rate than beef overall. I mean, the consumer's sending really clear message uh, that they're willing to pay for a superior product. Now, obviously the buzzword uh, with producers, uh, middlemen, and consumers is sustainability. And it just seems that sometimes different people have different definitions of sustainability. But farmers and ranchers have been sustainable for so many years. They've been doing these practices. Uh, what is some of the work that the Angus Association is doing to highlight that sustainable work that uh, these uh, family ranchers have been putting into their operations and their land for decades? We're going to be unveiling a new program, Trust Plus is what we call it, our sustainability program that gives people access to some of those supply chains that are making those claims. And uh, as you mentioned, I think sustainability is the essence of what we do in the business um, it's kind of got a bad rap out there uh, and it's defined different ways I think for a cow calf guy for sustainability is profitability um, we see from the corporate entities the Walmarts and the feeders and that sort of thing that they're really looking at the environmental side and the consumer looks at sustainability as an animal welfare issue um, I guess I think from an Angus Association standpoint what we are excited about is that I think there's an opportunity to leverage some strength over time for the because genetics play such an important role in that nothing's more important than reproductive efficiency and production efficiency when you talk about sustainability and that's related to genetics yeah, you know sustainability i think for the for the rancher in itself is you know that, that doesn't get asked a lot as a financial question you know if, if if the markets are sustainable and if they're bringing in enough money they're they you know the ranch would arguably be sustainable for the for the rancher himself and as consumers have asked more for it not just consumers but the middlemen have asked more for the for about sustainability you know we're trying to respond with that it's not a question i don't in my personal opinion i don't think that we should be avoiding the question and you know you if you're not on the plate if you're not at the table you're on the plate yep. and i think it's important that we be involved as an association and as a breed and as producers in the conversation that way we don't get steamrolled by the people that live in the you know in the rural or the urban environments that that will dictate policy at the end of the day yep how about that basketball game last night? That though? was a good game. 
excellent game. Like uh, I, I know uh, uh, Troy was cheering for the for the for Kansas University, and, and you know, I my wife and I had a really bad Final Four. She had Villanova winning. I you had, had Montana Duke. State. I, yeah. I had Duke winning it in Final Four, but that's actually so funny. You know, I was so confident. You know, like, you know what? Montana State made the big dance for the first time since 1996. And I'm like, you know what? It, they could have been the St. Pete's, you know? I, I, and so I'm like, you know what? They're going to beat Texas Tech. And I, had them going to the, I think I had them going to the Sweet 16. <laughs> I, I remember in 96 when they went because I was still – I might have been on my fifth year being a senior there. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was – I had the same attitude. I thought when we played Syracuse that we should beat them. Yeah. So – and, uh, no, Texas Tech, uh, they, yeah, they, they kicked their butts, and, uh, and they proceeded to go. And, and if I would have just actually not had all the vim – that I have as a Montana State. You can State. win a pool. Yeah. yeah. I, or at least get a bunch of points built up. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, Dennis Oxart, uh, they ranch and own the, the Lucky Bullet but, where we had uh, drinks and watched the, the game last night. I think he bought St. Pete's for $10. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's a good buy. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, I do want to clarify. I married a K-Stater when you said I was rooting for Kansas. I was just supporting the Big I, 12. I, I get that. Yeah, yes. I get that. Thank, yeah, I, I, thank you for clarifying. Hey, know, know your audience up here. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so I, uh, one time I was emceeing a, a session, the closing session at in, uh, the Cattle Industry Convention. And Russell Nimitz and I were both the emcees. And, and I had this, this purple tie with wiener dogs on it. But everyone like, oh, you're a Kansas State fan, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, it's it's a wiener dog tie. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I mean, I just grabbed the one tie that I threw into my suitcase for that one. So I mean, they're a great egg school, but at least at least they're a land grant. Did you pick that tie, or did your wife? No, I picked it. Okay, perfect. Yeah. perfect. I have I have good fashion sense. Oh yeah, some days <laughs> edgy, edgy. Yeah, wiener dog. I got one with starfish that I'll wear sometimes too. Oh, no yeah. one knows what they are. Well, that's, that's awesome. I'm an edgy farm broadcaster. Pushing the boundaries. Yeah. I'm, I'm a shock jock in the farm broadcast world. <laughs> as, as we look at all of this, the, the people in the industry, what, what are some of those key things that maybe you, you would say to a young producer that's maybe going home and looking at maybe starting to maybe start their own registered herd um, to get into that business a little bit? What, what are some of the, the tips that you would give a producer out there, young or old, that wants to get into registering their cattle, watching, you know, maybe highlighting those genetics and working with their neighbors and friends in the industry to help better it? What, what are some of those tips you'd have for someone starting out? Oh, I think number one is you got to have a good mentor. If you're, if you're young starting out, you need, uh, you know, like the, the established programs in Montana, don't be afraid to call those guys. Don't be afraid to ask them questions. You know, they could probably avoid a lot of, a lot of bumps in the road that, that you can, that they hit that you wouldn't have to. And it's it, there, you know, the lucky part is in this region in particular, most of the, most of the older established breeders, they are, they're very friendly and very willing to, to discuss their, how they got where they are. And that, that's a great, that's a great point of access for people. I think, you know, I, I'm for sure you can contact the office. You can contact me. Uh, and you know, we we describe people call all the time asking from all over the nation, asking you know how do we get started in this? You know, where do we market our cattle if we do get started? And um, it, it's it's not easy, but it, it's definitely doable. And there's just this market, this industry is so different. There's so many different aspects to it: the show side, the bull side, the female side, and or the or just raising feeders too. Um, that it's all valuable and it all makes this industry hum. Yep. And just kind of following up with what Kurt said, I think the value of high-quality genetics has never been higher. I think our ability to 
breed better cattle. We've had more tools and we have to make them better. And to me, the big thing is being able to market and differentiate those cattle, whether it's commercial or seed stock thing. It's finding your niche and really going after that and exploiting that differentiation in the marketplace. Yeah. So, Kurt, I know you're a fly fisherman. Oh, yeah. You enjoy Rupert, a legend. You enjoy doing that. Have you seen those poncho shirts, those fly fishing shir- shirts, the brand poncho? No. They make Western shirts. Oh, do they? And they're like the ones you wear in the summer, and they got the vent in the back. But my favorite thing about it, you should check them out, is they got the, their, their snaps, their snap-up shirt. But they got the zip for your phone. Oh, yeah. That way it doesn't fall in the river. Or into the water trough, yeah. or into the dog water dish, or just hit the concrete. Because that's, I, I, you know, I wear a lot of Wrangler shirts and cinch. I think I'm wearing a Stetson shirt right now. This is my message out to all of the Western wear people. Make your pockets bigger so I can, you know, snap my phone, you know, or put a little zipper in there. How does that sound? Well, you know, you can always leave your phone behind. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm a millennial. I'm addicted to it. Oh, you I know. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Because I always got a video of my barn cats. Yeah. Those are like the most popular thing on my Instagram feed is Frank the barn cat. She's actually a girl, yeah. but uh, I named it Frank before I knew. And I get tens of thousands of views on these barn cats. So I, I, I got to have the phone with me, you know. <laughs> it's all about the gram. It is all about the gram. Yeah. And my iron reviews. Did you watch my iron review? No, I don't. From but yesterday? I don't even know what an iron review is. Oh, you're not. Are you on Instagram? Yeah. You need to watch my uh, my hotel iron reviews. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen those. Okay. Yeah, yeah so yeah, there's yeah. a good one for I, I, I agree for with most hotel. of what you say. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I did teach Troy a really important lesson when we were at Cattle Industry Convention in Houston is uh, you always got to check your sheets of your bed. <laughs> yeah, I, that would be true for you because you like staying where the mice are. Well, yeah, yeah, he was in the same hotel. Okay. I was, yes. And, uh, yeah, so for our listeners out there, I was in a Hampton Inn in uh, Houston. They never did. Cr- they, were, they were supposed to give me like 50,000 bonus points. They never did. Huh. So I've been trying to battle them, but I woke up one eve or one night about two, and I had went to bed at like nine thirty. I, I, I mean, in the I, morning, at night actually. Oh. Yeah, I, I flew out at like three in the morning, and I'm like, you know what, it's time to go to bed. Woke up at about two thirty in the morning, like, what is in this bed? And it was mouse droppings. I guess that's better than uh, bed bugs. Bed, well, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I did mark myself safe from not getting hantavirus, which is at good. least. But they moved me two doors down from my other room. So, hey, Lane, I get back out into these bulls here. Good talking to you guys. Yeah, and, uh, thanks, Kurt. Yeah, we'll see you down the road. That that that, that was just too much to that that pushed uh, Kurt over the edge there about mouse droppings in your bed. But uh, <laughs> thank you. See see you later. Yeah. Don't forget your scotch cap there. Yeah, don't blow away too much out there either. But uh, we. <laughs> God, we've gone all over. This wind has really, uh, really uh, got us all over the road there, too. But, you know, Troy, just any last comments you would just like to talk? Obviously, we, we touched on Angus Link, but just anything else, that, any words for producers out there that are running uh, Black Angus genetic cattle and just, you know, trying to trying to make a go of it in the business and, and stay profitable? No, I, I think it's an exciting time to be in the business, and I would just encourage anyone that wants to look at the Angus Link program, giving us a call or going to the website at AngusLink.com and, and taking a look at the program. We'd love to work with you um, and help you capture the value of your superior genetics management that you're putting into the cattle. Perfect. Well, again, I'd like to thank Kirk Angus and Troy Marshall, both of the American Angus Association, for joining us 
here today. And uh, for our listeners, in a, in a few weeks, I'll be traveling down with uh, several Montana Angus breeders. We're going to be going just south of Alzada, Montana, to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Uh, and uh, we'll be joining uh, uh, the Argentine Angus Association. They've, they will be celebrating their centennial. It just goes to show how diverse, you know, you you don't think about a centennial organization, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, outside of uh, Montana or, or the U.S., excuse me. So that'll be great to uh, kind of see the genetics and what they got going on in the Angus breed there. And, of course, uh, the Angus breeders from Montana will be highlighting and, and showcasing their superior genetics. I can say that. <laughs> I can say that. Montana is the seed stock capital of the world. I know an Angus Association uh, employee probably can't say that. But no, I better say, not. Yes. Yeah, you'll yeah. say some nice cattle come out Absolutely. Here. <laughs> some of the best in the world. Some of the best in the world. But uh, So we'll be having some great shows uh, with, with uh, some great uh, producers uh, from Buenos Aires. That'll be in just a few weeks. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there's not another COVID outbreak or anything like that because I'm looking forward to getting down there. Uh, but uh, looking so much uh, uh, to uh, just uh, joining you here. And uh, we took a little hiatus. We were on the uh, on the road, my, my family and I. So being back uh, behind the microphone has been great. And uh, thank you to, again, the American Angus Association's uh, Troy Marshall and, and Kirk Kangas, who had to cut out early for joining us here today on the podcast. Well, that will do it for today. I'm Lane Nordland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.